Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. It's cold here in Tampa. Oh my goodness. Woke up and it was 50-something degrees. (laughs) I know that sounds ridiculous for most of you, but here in Florida, that's cold. That's uh, fur coat weather in these parts. Anyway, today we're going to be joined by Brad Powell and Adam Anderson to talk about a topic that I think is really of the utmost importance for private clubs, and that is cybersecurity. Now, you probably hear the term cybersecurity and you don't think much of it. It's probably not much of a sexy term to you, but let me tell you, it is going to be one of the most important episodes that we have here on Private Club Radio this year because they're going to come on and give us their top tips on how to keep your club secure from one of the biggest threats that I see private clubs facing here going into the future, and that is cybersecurity. With clubs having some of the most influential, some of the wealthiest people on their membership roles, they are ripe for the picking for cyber attackers who are looking to gain access to information, personal information. And if you don't keep your club secure, you risk multi-million dollar problems. And so these two guys are going to come on today and talk to us about how we can avoid some of those problems. And I hope that you take a listen to some of this proactive approaches that they're going to give us today because it's going to be very important going into the future, even more important than it is today. All right, before we bring the gentleman on, I want to talk to you about a little informal survey that I've been running on social media because this the results were very, very surprising to me. So I posted a question on my Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all my social media networks. And I asked folks that if you were to receive a present, would you A, want something that you already wanted, something you really, really wanted? Would you B, want something that you really need? Or C, would you want something that was unexpected but awesome? And I sort of going into it figured it would kind of be a 35-35-30 split or something like that. No, it wasn't. Almost exclusively people answered the question that they wanted something that they didn't expect but that was totally awesome. In fact, only two people voted for option A, which was get something that you really, really want. And I was one of those two people, actually. (laughs) Now, obviously, this isn't a scientific survey. There was no real conditions. I just posted a question out on social media. But I was really shocked to see that so many people want to be surprised by their Christmas gift. And then when I started thinking about it, maybe it's not so shocking after all. We live in a society now where people are looking to be surprised and delighted. They're looking for things that are out of the ordinary. They're looking for the needle in the haystack when it comes to an experience. And that's something I've been preaching at all of my membership marketing seminars and keynotes that I've been giving the last couple of years. And It's amazing to see that really play out even when it comes to the smallest details. So I challenge you and your club to come up with ways this holiday season 
to surprise and delight your members to do something unexpected and out of the ordinary because it's all too easy to just do what you did last year and to keep up with the status quo and to not make any changes because you know this is going to work or it's worked in years past, so why won't it work again? Well, I'm sure the clubs that keep doing the same thing over and over probably come to learn that maybe that really interesting event that you held last year got a ton of participation. Maybe in year two, it gets a little less participation. By year three, hardly anyone's showing up. That's sort of the nature of things these days. And I hear that complaint from private club managers all the time that they try one thing, it's a real huge success, and they do it again and again, and it just gets less and less successful. Again, it goes back to the same point that people are looking for the next surprise and the next delight. So I challenge you, if you take up the challenge, I'd love to hear about it. Shoot me an email, gabe at privateclubagency.com or post about it in our Facebook group, the Private Club Radio Listeners Forum. I would love to hear what you're doing at your club to do things just a little bit differently for the members. All right, without further ado, we're going to bring on the gentleman from Hook Security. Enjoy. Well, I'm joined today by Adam Anderson and Brad Powell of Hook Security. Adam Anderson's a longtime business owner who also happens to be a leading authority on cybersecurity. He's a serial entrepreneur, author, and founder of three cybersecurity companies, and he's a global keynote speaker on the topics of business and security. With over 20 years' experience in cybersecurity and 13 years as a small business owner, Adam can talk to business owners without having to use quote-unquote tech-speak. Brad Powell has a deep roots in the golf community and has launched and ran successful marketing companies, empowering clubs through Internet of Things, IoT, as well as aiding them to revamp their branding to be more appealing to the next generation of members. Now, Adam and Brad are working together to help us plug the number one security hole facing the golf club community, phishing attacks that employees click on the inside of their emails. I've actually had a few clients recently talk to me that this has happened at their club And when Brad and Adam reached out, I thought this would be a great topic to have on Private Club Radio. So guys, welcome to Private Club Radio. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks, Thanks, Gabe. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So I know you guys think that a lot of clubs are probably thinking about cybersecurity wrong. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that to start off. Yeah, sure. So the, the, the number one thing that we bump into is when a club is thinking about cybersecurity, uh, often the brain goes to what product or technology do I have to put in place to actually keep myself safe? And, and the reason why this thinking is wrong is because you can't outspend or outdefend the hackers who are going to be attacking you. Um, and it turns out these clubs and these organizations spend a whole lot of money building these cybersecurity fortresses only to have their employees invite the bad guys in. So mm-hmm. if they just hemorrhage cash, they buy the illusion of security and then still put their members at risk. Golf clubs in particular are probably more susceptible than most businesses to attack by the sheer fact of the types of people that are, are at these clubs. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that if you could, Adam. Yeah, it's actually kind of surprising to me. I, I spend a lot of time helping CPAs and lawyers and insurance guys, people who 
have their 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 fingers in all these people's finances and and hackers love them because it's one-stop shopping because you can breach a lawyer or you can breach a cpa then you have all of their clients and those clients are high net worth individuals probably running businesses maybe some of them are are, are famous and, and have brands that are at stake and when i was talking with brad he said you know who else has access to all these people it's golf clubs yeah. uh, and, and typically so why this might be even more dangerous than maybe talking to a lawyer is a lawyer is programmed for risk reduction. A, a CPA is programmed to look for, for risk, but a golf club is not about reducing risk. It's about providing an amazing experience. And so typically our defenses are down when we're in that kind of environment. And so this is actually, and I found this kind of a shock. It, a golf club is at a higher risk of being breached just for the simple fact that it is not a risk-based business. It is an experience-based business that is surrounded with high net worth and high brand people. Yeah. I mean, you've got in, in every club in, around the world, you've got you know, some of the, the, the top businessmen. You've got some of the you know, entertainers and, and celebrities that are members of these clubs or that at least frequent these clubs quite a bit. And it's a, it's mm -hmm. a huge, it's a huge, um, black hole. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just, it just looks like it's ripe for, for someone to come in there. And, and I, like I said to you guys before we started the show, you know, I've been, I've been kind of pounding this drum for about a year or so on the show here. Uh, talking about how clubs need to start to take this seriously. So the next right. thing, I, the next thing I want to ask you guys about is you've got basically a list of seven things that that clubs could do right now to start lowering their risk of cyber attacks. So I'd love if you don't mind just take us through each one of those. Uh, the first one on your list here is about data backup. So if you could tell us a little bit about why that's important, that'd be great. Sure. So the uh, my message is always look. Um, let's make it so that you can recover from an attack and that way an attack doesn't actually matter. So uh, that, that's a very high level statement, but the, the very first part of being able to thrive and survive after a cyber attack is your ability to recover. And that all starts with having really good backups. Mm -hmm. So you've got your point of sales device, you've got your database, you've got all of these things to have all of these records and all of this data that you're going to need to use. And if a cyber criminal comes in and compromises that through a ransomware attack or locks it down in some form or fashion, you're going to have to interact with that criminal in order to get your data back. So what I'm, I tell people is make sure you back your data up. And I don't mean like put a jump drive into the computer <laughs> or use Dropbox. If you're dealing with really important data, you need to pay an adult human being to be responsible to take your important business data, put it somewhere else that the bad guys can't get it, and when something goes wrong, put the stuff back. Because one of the things that is just horrible is you're dealing with somebody who's just gone through something uh, traumatic like a cyber attack, and then you're trying to help them put their lives back together, and they thought they had good backups, mm -hmm. but it turns out that jump shot's broken, or mm -hmm. the, the data got corrupted for some reason. And uh, this is the, the number one thing that you can do to make sure you can recover is, you know, get a good backup. And the cool thing is it doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. Um, this stuff is, is a commodity at this point. And any online backup service that you find will probably be okay. Just do the extra work to, uh, 
to make sure that you understand how you get your data back when things go sideways. Yeah. I always like to keep two types of backups. So I keep one t- that we back up to the cloud and that happens on an atom- automatic basis. I think every night, I believe, you know, it, it gets the most fresh copy of all our stuff. And then I like to either once a week or once a month is my goal. And maybe I don't do it quite as much as I want, but then we also, I, I take, I do take a drive and I take it home off site. So I've got like a hard copy that I keep in my house in a safe. Um, I've got my data that's at, at the office level and then I've got it on the cloud as well. So I've really got three points of, uh, hopefully security there um, or not necessarily security, but at least three points of backup uh, for that same data. Uh, any particular yeah, services that you would, that you'd recommend um, for some of the online stuff? You know, I, I really hesitate to ever suggest products because they change so often. I can tell you ones that I have used in the past and I'm very happy with, mm-hmm. but I would still suggest you do your own due diligence. I've, I've used carbonite in the past. I've, um, Right now, we run our company off of Google Drive. Yeah. Um, it just is very easy for us to use it that way. But if your company or your, your service offering is more complex, where it's not just files, and you have a proprietary database or some kind of application, you're going to need to do something more. You're going to have to um, engage with somebody. But, but honestly, most of us are working with a third-party vendor who's providing IT services. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a whole lot of really good suggestions for you. Problem is, is those guys are order takers and they're not usually strategic partners. So right. you're going to need to go to them and say, I need better backups. Right. Help me get there. Yep. Yep. Cool. I, I like the Google idea. I think if Google ever goes down, then probably the whole world is over <laughs> at that point. <laughs> All right. Well, number two on your list of the seven things that you can do right now at a club to lower your risk is to have a cybersecurity insurance policy. This is actually something pretty new to me. So I'd love for you to explain what that's all about. Right. It sounds expensive though, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Here's the thing. Uh, um, I probably was in the same boat that most of of your listeners are in is that when I hear cybersecurity insurance policy, number one, I think pricey. Number two, I think they probably don't need it because they have insurance already. Well, it was a surprise to me, well, gosh, three years ago when I started looking at this, that most errors in emission, most out-of-the-box insurance policies don't cover cyber. Mm. But it is super affordable. Mm. So, again, we don't sell it, so I'm not going to make any suggestions. But if you go to your insurance broker uh, and say, I need cybersecurity insurance, they're going to be really happy to give it to you. But mm-hmm. let me give you a couple questions to ask them. The first one is, I don't just want money. Giving me a million dollars when something goes wrong is useless yeah. if I don't know how to put my <laughs> life back together. So right. these insurance policies come with something called a disaster recovery team, and that's made up of a cybersecurity lawyer, the cybersecurity PR person, a forensic investigator to help figure out what went wrong, and then a system administrator who helps take those really good backups that you have and put everything back together again. So the insurance policy covers the damages, provides a team to put you back together again, a legal team to help make sure that you reduce your liability, and a PR person to help educate your customers and your vendors about what went wrong. Hmm. And to me, I'm like, yes. Yeah, sounds like a no-brainer almost. So it's just basically a rider you can add on. That's exactly right. I love it. I love it. All right, let's talk about number three, patch your computers. What's that all about? Well, I would love for uh, 
uh, to be more complex, right? I really want this stuff to be hard because <laughs> I feel like I could then charge a lot of money, but <laughs> right. unfortunately it's not. It's, uh, there's this thing that happens on your computer that really annoys most of us. These things called automatic um, updates. Mm-hmm. And it's, hey, your computer's got the security patch. You're going to need to you know, re- reboot your machine. Or if you're using an iPhone like me, it's like, there's another security thing you have to download. And I'm, hey, I don't want that. I want to just do what I need to do. Right. Turns out that's Microsoft and Apple and Google and all these guys pushes down cybersecurity patches to plug up holes. And if you do that, you're like 99% safe from the online attacks, right? The, the stuff that we see in the movies where some computer program breaks into something. You put those patches in there and automatically make that happen when they come out. You are 99% safe. But if you don't, you're in big trouble because Microsoft and Apple publish what they fixed before the patch comes out. And the hackers read that. Because what that does is say, here's all the backdoors and all the holes and all the software. So this is what we're fixing Mm -hmm. because IP people want to know what we're installing. And if you don't put the patches on, the hackers have come out with code and attacks the very next day that exploit those things. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a really good carrot and a really good stick. If you do automatic patching, you're already plugging up the, the holes that are out there because hackers don't love to make brand new things, only do when they have to. Yeah. And for those that actually do, um, they're following the roadmaps because, well, let me, let me back up. There was this um, ransomware attack that hit like 70 different countries. Um, I think it's called WannaCry. And it only affected Microsoft operating systems that were not patched. So 70 countries, 100 plus million computers got hit with ransomware. And it was just all you had to do to be safe would patch your machine. So that's why I say absolutely. Yeah. You patch your machine, you have a good backup, saying you have a cybersecurity insurance policy, you can probably recover and resist the vast majority of the stuff that's out there. Wow. I love it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it sounds almost too easy, but I guess what what what's important there to, as a takeaway for me is that someone's got to be responsible for that. I don't think you can leave it up to yeah. that. You know, your your club, your average club, I'm guessing has who knows uh, twenty computers at it. You know, between the POS computers mm-hmm. and everything else around the club and different offices, maybe that's even a low number. I don't know, but I think maybe making somebody responsible too to to go ahead and make sure that each computer is updated rather than leaving it to the individual might be a good idea as well. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll jump on top of that because I don't know that that person already works at the clubhouse, right? There are, just like you have backups as a service, you can do patching as a service. Ah. You can hire someone to make sure everything is where it needs to be and then notify you when things didn't happen. I like that. So, yeah, we only win when we can automate and focus on our business. Beautiful. People should not be thinking about cybersecurity. People should be thinking about making really happy customers. Right. So get it as a service. Go buy somebody to make sure you're patched. That's excellent. All right. So the next up on your list is to move everything to the cloud. Why is that so important? Well, because despite all the facts that we've made ourselves 99% safe, there's still 1% that's not safe, right? And 
when the sheer volume of attacks are coming through, there is still a risk. And there's also human error involved when the stuff lives on your laptops or on your machines. But when you put things to the cloud, you've removed the need for these automatic backups. You remove the need for all this patching and stuff. I mean, it's all still important, but man, it's so great when QuickBooks is taking responsibility for security. It's great when Gmail is taking responsibility for security. So you drastically reduce your risk by moving services to the cloud. I'm not so interested in, hey, where are my files stored? I'm interested in how do I conduct business and where does that happen? So by moving stuff to the cloud, moving it to online providers, you're basically giving yourself um, a cybersecurity expert on staff that you don't have to pay for. Um, and people come back to me and say, but they get hacked too. I see it in the headlines all the time. You're absolutely right. Amazon gets hacked, Google gets hacked, but they're still so much better at this than we are. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and think about your marketing message, right? Mm-hmm. You just had a breach. Wouldn't it be nice to say, uh, yeah, I'm sorry your data got stolen. Uh, Google got hacked. What am I going to do? <laughs> Versus I have my computer up, up here and I installed this cool screensaver with toasters and that was a mistake. So <laughs> now your data is fine. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right? Yeah. And they've got backup upon backup upon backup themselves. So I don't think. Yeah. So, and you, you, so you move the liability <laughs> to the big service providers and you get on your customer side. Right. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. All right, number, uh, I think we're up to five here, is use two-factor authentication. So a lot of people probably don't know what that is. I happen to have a little app on my phone, so I know, but I'd love for you to explain that for folks. Yeah, so username and password is probably one of the easiest things for an equipped cyber criminal to break. Um, It's a matter of time. Especially when your password is your daughter's date of birth or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Especially since everything that, that you're trying to uh, um, uh, protect, you give away for free on Facebook. And now right. if I know who you are, I can go to Facebook and I can look it up. And by the time a week's passed, I can probably figure it out. Right. But even with brute strength computers, we could crack these passwords. Sure. So never think using any password will keep you safe. That's a big takeaway. Always have a second factor. So the first factor with your username is a password. The second factor with your username is some kind of third-party device or software. Uh, I'll keep using Google. When I log into my Gmail or my Google Drive or whatever, it sends a note to my phone and an app pops up and says, hey, Adam, I see you're trying to log on to a computer. Is this really you? Yes or no? If I hit yes, I get to get in to that app. And if I hit no, it says, ooh, well, someone's trying to. Would you like to take additional action? Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like a, a superhero, yeah. a cyber superhero with my two-factor authentication. So that's the whole point is we just moved everything to the cloud. So your number one risk is your username and password. So to plug that risk, you put a security control on top of it that makes multiple-factor authentication uh, required. And it is usually free. Uh, I haven't recalled paying for one in a very long time. Your bank has one. QuickBooks has one. Google, Microsoft, Apple—they're all out there. It's, it's industry standard now. And if you're not using it, it's probably not that it's not available. It's just that you need to go ask for it. Yeah. Yep. I like these ones, especially where you can actually like. I have this Google Authenticator app, and the and um, what I do is you plug a a QR code in, you just kind of scan it with your phone and then it just pops into this Google authenticator app and it's, Perfect. it's like, um, 
for folks that don't have never seen it, I guess the way, best way I can explain it, it's almost like an atomic clock type thing going on where the number changes every 20 seconds or something like that. And yeah. the, the number on your phone's got to match this, the system itself. I think that's kind of cool. Now, the one yeah. thing I will say is when you switch cell phones, it's a real pain in the butt <laughs> because you have to <laughs> literally go through every single one of your two-factor authentications. But I guess that little pain in the butt is worth uh, millions in liability that, you know, if you were to yeah. lose your data. Well, let's, let's, let's be fair. In cybersecurity, we're not here to make your life easy, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we're here to try to make your life safer. <laughs> so it is what it is. They hated me at T-Mobile one night. I was there. Like, I went at like 8.30 at night, and they close at 9, I think, to like change a cell phone. And then I forgot that I had to do that. And luckily, I remembered because if I were to give my cell phone to them and without having changed it on the new or put it onto the new phone, I would have lost everything and had to made a bunch of emails to all these different companies. But uh, I was there to make a long story short until like 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) The the staff were none none too happy. But um, anyways, it's, 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 it's a necessary evil, I think at this point. (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, there's my little tangent for the day. Uh, Let's move on to number six, uh, which is to train your employees. What are your thoughts on that? Ooh, so this is where Brad and I started really working because, you know, we talked earlier about the fact that you can build these cybersecurity fortresses. And that's kind of what you've done. Even with these easy things that we talked about, you're still trying to put what we call security controls in place to protect your business processes. Primarily, how am I dealing with my customers and how am I moving money around, right? But your employees, your employees touch all this stuff. I had a lawyer buddy who had a really secure point of sales, um, online point of sales device. Um, it was fantastic. Unfortunately, his, one of his paralegals downloaded something that he shouldn't have. It installed a key logger onto his machine and recorded the administrative username and password for that system. So the hackers logged in with the right username and password and then changed the destination of where the point of sales was putting the money. That very next day, they billed all of this lawyer's customers $10,000 for the credit card and moved everything onto throwaway debit cards. Wow. So there was no security technology breach. There was a human behavior that clicked on something they thought they should trust to download malicious viruses that then allowed the bad guys a backdoor in through the defensive. So. All of the stuff we just talked about is absolutely useless to do. Well, maybe not the backups and the cybersecurity insurance because you're sure you're going to use it if your people keep clicking on things. So Brad and I got together, and Brad's background is primarily in the physical security stuff. And there's a lot of uh, training that goes into, you know, lock people's doors, don't walk out in the parking lot at night. There's a lot of natural behavioral science that goes into physical security. So we asked the question, what would happen if we brought that same behavioral science to cybersecurity? And that's where we get into how do you train people to be aware of the risk so they make better decisions. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's well said for sure. Number seven on your list is to have a plan. <laughs> that might be the one place you want to start even. Yeah, unfortunately, um, having a plan is it's fantastic. But if you start with a plan, then you stay pretty vulnerable. And so what we really got to with the first six 
of these things are, here's what you need to triage. No matter what the plan is, no matter what's going on, you need to make those things happen, right? Um, some of them are more important than others. Definitely the first three are more important than the last three we talked about. But having a plan means all right, I need to sit with a adult human being who is not like my sister's nephew's cousin's friend who once upon a time built his own computer. Right? <laughs> That's not the guy you want to talk to. Right. Chances are you want to go to your managed service provider, whoever's providing your IT services and say, look, I want to have a cybersecurity plan that you can show me in a spreadsheet how it actually impacts my bottom line and saves me money by reducing risk. And I want it to be aligned back into um, how I do business. And so what we call that is business continuity planning. And it is a real pain in the butt. <laughs> the most fun thing in the whole world. And so here's, here's the thing. Uh, with, with our kinds of company, if it's not simple, you're not going to do it. So I had to find a way to take these business continuity plans that we would do for the Fortune 500. That'd be like a six-month deep dive into everything and get it down onto one tab on one spreadsheet. And so the way this works is there are six core business systems, and each business system has a number of business processes. And um, if you fill out this spreadsheet we've cr created, and I've got a short video that tells you how to do it, you can get a real clear snapshot of what's going on in your company. And then we give you this heat map of risk that shows you what um, are the most important things that I need to go after and nice. how to do triage. So yeah, I used to tell people to go hire somebody to help build a plan, but really all you need to do is download this uh, spreadsheet that we created, create, uh, fill out your own business continuity plan. Uh, it'll probably take about a day maybe two days if, if you decide to get sad and have a beer in the middle of it. <laughs> um, but you can do that. And then you bring that business continuity plan to your managed service provider, your IT guys, and say, here are my highest security risks. How are you going to reduce my risk? Mm -hmm. yeah. That way you own it, right? right. Don't, don't let the IT nerd own it. You're the business person to own your business risk. And cybersecurity and cybercrime is a business risk, not a technology risk. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about Hook Security and how you guys uh, help clubs out there. Sure. Brad, do you want to uh, jump in and talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah I'd love to. to. No, I'd love to. Um, so we built our business around cyber behaviors. So we're solely focused on the behaviors of employees or for the golf industry specific, the golf clubs, the board, the board uh, being tricked by cyber criminals through email and de-risking the club or company's liability if a breach does occur. So we do this really, uh, Gabe, in three ways. Uh, we come to the table with, with the business or the club and we create a company email policy that is reviewed by our in-house counsel. And what we do is we, we basically have a, a policy that is, is provided to the company and it can be drafted however they they would like but we pretty much set the guidelines of hey here's the threats that are coming at your business here are the risks and here's how we're going to try to mitigate those risks and we basically put the entire company the entire golf course the board all on the same page protecting against these threats and understanding these threats the second way we do this is we do on-demand training so we send 
fake phishing emails to your board, to your employees for awareness training. So mm-hmm. we might send, let's just say, a, a email that looks like it came from, the, from Facebook. And say someone clicks on the link in the email, there immediately pops up a 60-second viral video with micro-learning telling you, hey, you just clicked on a link. This is a fake phishing email attack that is part of training. And here's what you need to be looking out for. Here's what you could have done to mitigate that risk. And we provide really quick micro learning videos that are similar to like a viral video. So That's it's so fun, cool. it's engagement, what we call edutainment. And then the third way we that we help is through reporting monthly data. So we take those behaviors and say, hey, you know, based off all the employees in your in your company or on your board or at the at the golf course, Sally clicked on all three of the emails that we sent her and here's how she clicked on them. Here's the browser she used. Here's the, the actual steps she took. Um, and then we provide that to the leadership to provide the valuable feedback on, Hey, we have some high risk employees. We need to sit down with Sally or that high risk employee and try to give her some feedback to trend some improvement and to have her be on the lookout for what's coming next. Wow, I love it. I love that, especially the one where the where when you click on the link, it shows you a video. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, yeah. um, what is what is your all time favorite phishing scam? Like, or uh, I guess internet sca- troll, internet scam. I always love the Nigerians. Um, they've always got some interesting ones. But how about how about for you guys? What's your favorite? Brad, do you mind if I something? And, and yeah, uh, please. The most terrifying one. Uh, the, the, the one that just completely baffles my mind why it keeps working over and over again picture this you are the controller of a company you manage the money right you can do all the wire transfers it's four o'clock on a friday your kids softball games about to start you're trying to get out of there and all of a sudden the ceo sends you an email saying hey uh sally we're gonna need you to uh, send over a wire transfer for $75,000 to this uh, financial institution. We need this done uh, before you leave today. The amount of people who actually do that is staggering to me because really? the email didn't come from the CEO. Yeah. Like, let's pretend your your uh, um, your, your company's name is ABC123, right? Mm-hmm. And so it comes from uh, Doug at ABC123.com. But it's not an ABC one two three. It's an ABC L two three. Right. Yeah. And it looks just like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It looks just so they're, they're doing CEO fraud. And yeah. I had a buddy, and the reason I picked a seventy five K because that's exactly what his controller was at. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's crazy. So she sent it right, and he and, and on the way out, he's like, "Hey, I just want to let you know I sent it. Uh, that the wire transfer is on the way." And he's like, "Say what? What'd you do?" <laughs> That's crazy. And it was lucky enough. Normally, you cannot get that back, right? Yeah. But they were in the window of, I think, an hour that the stuff was still going through. They were able to call the bank and stop the wire transfer. Wow. And that's a happy ending. That's a happy story mm. where they're able to stop it. But it's the CEO fraud. Um, but, you know, some of these things are so bad yeah. that uh, it's obvious that they are yeah. not a real person. Mm-hmm. And I highly encourage you to um, have a little fun. Yeah. Um, I heard one, there's a, a podcast out there I love to listen to called uh, Hacking Humans. 
and a guy um, said, hey, look, I've got $50,000, but I need to get into the U.S., but in order to do that, I'm going to need you to give me $2,000 um, <laughs> so that we can get this other guy right, to right. the mailman. <laughs> and the guy replied back to the hacker and said, oh, this sounds great. I love it. I'm so excited. I only have a thousand. Would you please send me a thousand? And then I can. <laughs> so he tried. Nice. <laughs> so he turned this game back to that guy. That's great. He never got a thousand dollars. That's crazy. <laughs> there was huh. a, there was a great Ted talk too, where a guy, um, basically was talking to, ha- um, those internet, yeah. internet scam artists. I recommend people check it out. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was just absolutely hilarious. He's a good, good comedian. Um, well, anyways, I would love to, um, have you guys tell us how we can learn more about you guys and, and how we can get a hold of you. And I know you've got a, a guide that folks can download from the website. So tell us about that one. Yeah, sure. So the, the website is hook-security.com slash golf. And on there we have the top 10 uh, cybersecurity things you're doing wrong. You've heard about a lot of them already. Uh, we go in a little bit more details is a one page bullet point kind of infographic thing that gets a, you're able to absorb it real quick and we keep away from tech talk as much as possible. Also (laughs) on that uh, slash golf site, you have the uh, business continuity plan that we talked about. So you can download back. And, you know, we also have a special uh, offer where we, you don't know if you need this or not um, until you actually do an assessment. So we are going to be giving listeners a 25% discount on an upfront assessment of their company to find out how are they really doing with this behavioral science stuff. We know they're probably doing really well with the computer science stuff, but we will send a, a round of fake cyber attacks to all of their employees and then show them how they're doing. And I have never once done this where the, uh, the owner said, wow, look how great we did. I'm proud of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's funny. So, so we want to we want to support the community. We want to make it accessible for you to understand where you are without having to deploy a lot of uh, time and effort into it. So, you know, giving a, a couple quick, you know, downloadable tools and then a discount on a uh, white glove assessment where we do all the work. All you do is send us the first and last name and email address of your employees and within a couple of days, you'll know how you're doing. Yeah, that's very generous, you guys. And again, it's hook dash security.com slash golf. And I really implore you if you're a general manager listening to this show to get proactive about your cybersecurity and do this with these guys, because it's one of those things where you just don't want to be caught with your pants down. A lot of people push these types of things off thinking, well, you know, I'll deal with it when it's a problem, but you don't want to deal with it when it actually becomes a problem because it'll be too late. So hook dash security.com slash golf. Adam and Brad, it was awesome to have you guys on the show. Uh, Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All right, well, hopefully that's got you motivated to start enacting some of the lessons that you heard here today and see why it's so important to get your club secure. And don't forget my challenge to you to do something that surprises and delights your members this holiday season and really every day of the year. (laughs) Do that and you're going to have a ton of happy members. I'll catch you back here next week. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. 
Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit concertgolfpartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process 